0: Welcome back to MLEX's weekly podcast covering the top stories in regulatory affairs from around the world. I'm James Paniki from MLEX's Asia Pacific team. It's great to be with you again. And yes, it's on. The US Department of Justice has filed an antitrust complaint against Google. The allegations are that the tech giants' agreements with Android phone makers to preload the search engine made it too difficult for rival search engines to compete. The DOJ was joined by 11 state governments in the most significant antitrust court action filed against a tech company since the DOJ suit against Microsoft in 1998. Now it's hard to overstate the significance of these developments. The lawsuit ushers in a new era of more muscular US antitrust enforcement by both the federal government and state authorities. And the complaint caps a DOJ probe that has investigated Google's search and advertising businesses for more than 18 months. There's so much to cover in our discussion this week, so let's get cracking. And just a very quick parenthesis, if you'd been expecting a program on tech regulation in the EU and merger laws in the UK, well, fear not, we will be bringing you that program next week. To flesh out the significance of the DOJ's Google lawsuit, we're joined now by two members of the team that has brought our subscribers five detailed pieces of analysis since the announcement on October the 20th. Kushita Vasant is our senior antitrust correspondent in Washington, D.C., and she's making her Mlex podcast debut today. And our listeners already know Mike Swift. He's Mlex's chief global digital risk correspondent based in San Francisco. Okay, Kushita, starting from you, uh, tell me something uh, about this uh, DOJ complaint. Why is it so significant?
1: This complaint uh, comes after more than 20 years uh, of any significant case that the DOJ has brought against a major tech company. Uh, Google has already been investigated in the European Commission. There have been uh, three well-known cases spanning as far back as 10 years. Uh, But there was always a conspicuous silence uh, in terms of the U.S. not pursuing any antitrust cases against these companies. I mean, sure, there was an FTC case against Google a few years ago, uh, but that went nowhere. And over the past few years, the clamor against large technology companies gaining market power and tipping new markets in their favor, throwing smaller competitors out of the market, has uh, there's been really a significant growing clamor uh, over that. And I think um, while it's not totally related to this complaint, these agencies have noted how this COVID-19 pandemic has contributed even more market power. Uh, And as it has been noted by um, some regulators and uh, also the House Judiciary Committee in the US, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has contributed to these companies' market power making them stronger, uh, which has reflected in their stock market prices, how their stocks have rallied. Uh, This has been noted by regulators around the world.
0: Now, everyone seems to be name-checking the 1998 Microsoft antitrust lawsuit as a precedent here, uh, Kushita. But to what extent uh, does this lawsuit differ from anything US enforcers have done before?
1: Um, I think one needs to keep in mind that the the internet or the d- digital marketplace is way different than it was before. Uh, back in 1998, you did not have smartphones. Uh, you did not have Internet of Things devices. You probably didn't didn't have Google Maps back then. You didn't have a suite of apps uh, as we use on our smartphone. Our interaction with the World Wide Web was much milder, was much more benign than it is now. Uh, We're consuming a lot of digital services. And Google, with uh, its agreements with not just phone makers, but also with with app makers, with um, other service providers, is sort of capturing critical access points through which it can leverage its services, um, collect our data, and... uh, sell this data so that it can sell better ads. So we are, we are in a sort of a loop whereby we consume these, these services, uh, but we are actually also being consumed by these services. Does mm. that makes sense.
0: Yes, absolutely. Now, Mike, given this evolving environment, tell me something about the remedies that have been sought uh, to mend Google's allegedly illegal actions. What does the DOJ want here? And are its expectations realistic?
2: Well, they're being very coy about that. Uh, they, there is a reference in the complaint to uh, the potential for a structural remedy. And there has been um, some rumors or speculation floated. Uh, there's a belief that uh, the DOJ may have uh, talked to Google about potentially spinning off its Chrome browser. But um, a lot of the experts that I've spoken to think that's highly unlikely. For one reason, uh, Google didn't buy Chrome; it built Chrome. It's, it was a you know a DIY, do-it-yourself project, and and so conceptually, it would be much more difficult uh, to force Google to spin off Chrome than it would be to force Microsoft, uh, f- excuse me, Facebook to sell uh, Instagram or or WhatsApp, which which it bought. So, you know, that remains to be seen what a remedy would be. I, I think it's much more likely that we'll see some sort of behavioral remedy that, um, where, you know, Google might have to refrain from, um, these, uh, Uh, preferential agreements like the one it has with Apple to make it the default search engine on the iPhone. Um, But that remains to be seen. Um, You know, that's something that will be considered uh, far down the path in litigation.
0: And as for Google, how will it defend itself here? What are the company's main arguments uh, to counter the DOJ's allegations?
2: Well, you know, the first one is they basically point out, hey, our stuff is free. So, you know, this is a pretty good deal for consumers. And, and, it, you know, DOJ, you're, how can you say that consumers are being harmed here? They're also um, arguing that uh, this, this, you know, the agreement, like the one they have with Apple, where they pay Apple between eight and twelve billion dollars a year to be the the default search on the iPhone, is really no different than you know the maker of Cheerios cereal paying a supermarket chain to get you know preferential treatment on you know on the the shelves of the supermarket where you know at eye level where consumers are going to see it, and it's not illegal. Google says because. You know what's stopping anybody from going out and using Bing or, or DuckDuckGo or, or any other search engine, to, you know, elsewhere in the world, and it can't be a violation of the law because it's not exclusionary. And one really novel element of the the DOJ's claim is that um, because defaults are so powerful in the online world and people hardly ever change their settings, that a, a default is is really like an, a a form of exclusion and um, that's something which uh, it's going to remain to be seen whether that argument is going to succeed.
0: Yeah, and I mean, for that analogy of the supermarket shelf to work, it it really comes down to the definition. I mean, a supermarket shelf has space for many brands of cereal, even if one brand has paid to have the best position right, but Apple devices aren't going to pre-install a wide range of search engines and then Uh, the consumer can choose the one it wants. Mozilla isn't going to make a range of search engines the default setting for its Firefox browser. So I I just wonder if this supermarket analogy is the right one here
2: well I've, I've kind of been trying to visualize in my mind since yesterday what the the uh, search engine supermarket would look like if you were to wander the aisles and there'd be like eight eight aisles of all google and then buried in the bottom of the uh you know the the freezer section w- in the back of the freezer would be a little duck duck go box or something i don't know but yeah. but um yeah I, I i don't know i i it, that's an interesting argument we'll see if that one mm. flies Also, the issue of
0: foreclosure may turn out to be a key here, right? Because I I rudely interrupted you before when you were listing Google's defences. But Google uh, argues that the DOJ has to prove that its payments to Apple and others uh, effectively foreclosed entry to the market by other players, be they DuckDuckGo or other search engines. How important will this issue be?
2: Yeah, so another argument that Google's making is that this is not the 1990s, you know, basically harkening back to the Microsoft case where, you know, you had to get a CD-ROM in the mail to upload new software to your big clunky computer and, and you know, to to switch browsers and um that's no longer the case. You have you know app stores where you literally have millions of apps you can choose from, and if you want to put the DuckDuckGo app on your Android phone and search away on DuckDuckGo, that's like a two-tap process, and and so um, you know that that's basically pushing back on the the foreclosure argument. So uh, so we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how that's going to play out. It's it's certainly going to be interesting to to watch.
0: Mm. Kushita, uh, Google is at the heart of this story, of course, but the lawsuit has wider implications for the tech industry. Uh, tell me something about what other players are saying, starting from Google's smaller rivals. What, uh, how are they viewing the, uh, these recent developments?
1: Uh, so. Uh, The little bit of feedback that I have uh, seen coming from legal experts, uh, and by the way, they're still digesting the content of the lawsuit, even though it's just 64 pages. Uh, They said uh, the the complaint looks very promising. And uh, just because uh, the DOJ has mentioned, uh, you know, Chrome or they mentioned search advertising, it doesn't have to end there. Uh, there can always be an amended complaint. The DOJ can always uh, stack more things to charge Google with. Uh, and uh, there's been uh, just one slight criticism, which can perhaps be looked uh, you know, in a positive as well as negative light. Uh, the DOJ hasn't gone deeply into any search verticals. So just to give you an example, the European Commission uh, tackled the Android case but then they had a separate case that was focused on just the shopping search or shopping comparison sites and how smaller rivals basically saw traffic diverted from their own website uh, to elsewhere. And despite um, having to pay money uh, to buy auction ads, which was a remedy that Google had to come up with after they, after it was fined uh, a couple of billion dollars, uh, it's still not been working. So there's been a lot of hope tacked onto the DOJ lawsuit. Uh, so they're they're hopeful that maybe going forward the verticals uh, aspect is dealt with either by the the DOJ or perhaps uh, the Democratic states led by Colorado. Uh, but the initial impression is that it's 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 positive and once the DOJ actually, you know has his day in court uh, other enforcers in different jurisdictions will also start doing something i think there's already been news uh, rod sims the um, australian enforcers uh, chairman made some comments and said that you know we might want to look at this too
0: mm. uh, what about the larger rivals i mean apple and microsoft are in fact named in the doj complaint have they said anything at this stage
1: Unsurprisingly, they haven't come out with any statement. We are hopeful that they do, but I don't think just because they haven't commented, there, you know they'll be able to go scot free. Uh, I think at some point they will have to answer uh, whenever this case does see its day in court. Um, Apple will also have to. Apple's lawyers will have to make an appearance. Uh, Microsoft's lawyers will have to make an appearance, and uh, it'll be a it'll it's just a matter of time before we get to hear what what they have to say. Mm.
0: Now, Mike, uh, Kushita mentioned in passing the possibility of enforcement at a state rather than at a federal level. Uh, Now, you've been following tech lawsuits, tech probes uh, brought in state jurisdictions recently. We've been following with great interest the ad tech probe against uh, Google brought by 47 states led by uh, the Attorney General of Texas. So give me a sense now of the significance of the 11 states that have joined the uh, DOJ lawsuit. Uh, why should we care about that?
2: Yeah, that was a big question on my mind too. And and um, I should say that I've heard similar to what Kushida has that that uh, this complaint that the DOJ filed is is it's strong. It maybe isn't stabbing at the heart of the beast in terms of not going after the advertising business, but in the focus that it took, it is it is a definitely a viable and significant complaint. I really wondered about the 11 states yesterday as well, and I thought, well, um, I think one thing that's significant here is that uh, these were all Republican attorneys general, so they got no Democrats.
0: And and, and what does that mean, Mike? I mean, explain that to non-American listeners here. What are the party politics behind the fact that Republican attorneys general have joined
2: and Democrats haven't? It means that we're 12 days uh, away from, uh, as we speak now, from uh, the U.S. elections, and that uh, state attorneys general are some of the most political animals in uh, the U.S. political menagerie because um, it's really the launching point. State attorney general is really the launching point for higher office, whether it's governor of a state or the U.S. Senate, as in the case of Kamala Harris, who's now uh, the Democratic nominee for vice president. And so these are, are folks who are highly... Their, their political attend are highly tuned to what is uh, what to the politics of a situation, and one thing that I heard is that a lot of the Democratic AGs just didn't want to be standing on a stage, you know, with the, uh, de, the with Trump's Department of Justice, you know, right before uh, an election, but. You know, the other thing that I did notice was that some of the Republican attorneys general who have been the strongest critics of Google did not join this case. That being the attorneys general of Utah, Sean Reyes, and of Arizona, Mark Brenovich. And um, I thought that was curious. Um, I have not had any success in getting those folks to talk to me in the last 24 hours, but it's definitely something I'm very curious about why they chose to sit this one out. So uh, I think the answer is uh, uh, we have more reporting to do to get to the bottom of some of those questions.
0: Now, Kushita, you've mentioned the enforcement action in the EU uh, against Google. How does this DOJ uh, lawsuit compare with uh, enforcement action outside of the U.S.?
1: So I would say the DOJ complaint draws heavily from what the European Commission has um, found in its Android abuse of dominance case. Uh, this was a decision that was published in uh, in, in July 2018, and uh, it saw a record fine of four, 4.34 billion euros imposed on Google at the time. Uh, so when it comes to Android, it pretty much is very much similar to what the Commission has done, uh, but. I should note that one critical difference is that while the Commission has only investigated Google for past behavior, the DOJ complaint has a forward-looking aspect to it, and um, there's wording in the DOJ complaint that says uh, there's a whole generation of um, smart TVs and connected mobiles and connected um, refrigerators or or whatever that users will uh, end up using over the next few years or decades, and Google is position- positioning itself to capture all of these critical access points. And we have to act now. Uh, so there's there's been a little bit of that warning that the DOJ has has flagged to the court to make its point, which is uh, critically absent in the Commission case. And um, for what it's worth, I think this is this is good because uh, complainants in the European case have been. Pretty upset with how the remedies that Google has come up with have not been working, and that the European Commission hasn't actually uh, doubled down on Google in making these remedies work. You know, to make the markets more effective. Once a market is tipped, it's tipped. It's hard to get it back to a, you know its natural equilibrium. Uh, but apart from that, search advertising—that is something that is also new in the DOJ complaint. Uh, the commission has started looking at it. There have been questionnaires they've sent. So I would say that the commission is just sort of, you know, catching up with the DOJ on that. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Has it left anything out? Could the DOJ uh, lawsuit have been uh, more extensive? Are there any areas that it should have covered?
1: Uh, interestingly uh, as i mentioned before the they haven't gone into any of the verticals and uh, you might have noticed that there have been um, cases i mean i'm talking about litigation uh, when it comes to maps so in the uk there has been a street maps case against google um, google won that case uh, there is uh, damages litigation against google on shopping comparison so the verticals are missing uh, there's, there's one more thing that that the DOJ complaint has done better in that it has uh, gone into a bit more detail on, on how Google has uh, struck deals on making Google search the default search engine on browsers. Uh, the European Commission complaint only mentions this in relation to Android uh, smartphones, but the DOJ complaint covers the browser aspect on laptops mm. as well as desktops.
0: Okay, Mike, we were talking before about party politics and we've all heard the acronym MAGA in this election campaign, that's Make <laughs> America Great Again, it's printed on Donald Trump uh, campaign caps and posters, but what is MADA? MADA with a D, and how might it be significant in this case?
2: Yeah, I'm wearing my Maga T-shirt right now, James. Actually, um, <laughs> uh, uh, that's Mada stands for Mobile Application Distribution Agreements, and these are agreements that um, Google uh, basically uh, had with uh, smartphone makers such as Samsung or LG Electronics and or Motorola, and basically what these uh, said was that um, we're going to give you free use of Android. But in return, you must agree to install as the default our search engine and basic apps like Maps, Gmail, and a few others. And um, that practice was challenged in a lawsuit uh, filed in Silicon Valley in 2014. And uh, Google won that case. Uh, Actually, they didn't win. What happened was there was a settlement before there was any decision in that case and and uh google was uh the doj we, we we actually asked the doj about that uh case uh saying that um uh wasn't the failure of that case uh doesn't that augur badly for this this suit and uh we didn't really get a very clear answer from the uh, the uh, assistant attorney general on that uh, they said that they're confident in their their case but um you know, it, it the judge in that case did find uh, on the first go round that um, those claims that that using those MATA agreements violated the antitrust laws was sustainable. So that's maybe uh, a bit of a cloud on the horizon for uh, the DOJ that they may have to overcome as this case goes forward.
0: Okay, look, it's time to wrap things up here. Maybe just as a final comment from both of you, I could uh, I could ask uh, how you see things panning out uh what is next mike starting from you how do you see things going from here
2: well it just feels like you know this is like uh i don't know dunkirk at the beginning of world war 2 right i mean that uh we right now uh things are looking bad for google but we have years ahead of us and and it's very difficult to predict, you know, what's going to happen. Um, somebody asked me yesterday, who's going to win, the DOJ or Google? And and one thing that occurred to me is you you could make the argument that Google has already won, uh, because as Kushida pointed out, that um, for really a decade, they were able to grow and amass market power here in the U.S. without any challenge from regulators, even though they had challenges in in Europe and elsewhere. And so you could say, well, they made it you know, to 2020 without, you know, this, this roadblock being thrown in their path. And and that's a win. Uh, And I think that's kind of a valid argument, you know, so um, we'll see how it pans out. It's, it's really impossible to predict right now. Mm.
0: Also winners are no doubt the lawyers that are going to be claiming billable hours as a result of this. But uh, (laughs) Kushita, uh, what's your view on this? Uh, Has Google won already? How do you see things going from here?
1: Before I answer that question, I should just note that uh, MAGA also stands for Make Antitrust Great Again. Oh, we have a red-colored <laughs> MAGA caps in the MLEX office in Washington, D.C. Yes. Right. So just to answer your question, um, I would be... Uh, obviously, there's a lot more reporting to do, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, once the election uh, mania is over, it remains to be seen when this case um, gets listed in court. But more interestingly, I would be uh, focusing on what the legal arguments uh, Google's legal team uh, will be using. So I sat in a three-day hearing in the Google shopping case in Europe in Luxembourg, and uh, Google brought up the essential facilities doctrine as a defense, which uh, the judges, at least they seemed not to be impressed with it. Uh, So, it would be interesting to see whether Google has learnt any lessons and uh, whether they will be bringing up uh, different kind of defense uh, to counter the theory of harm that the DOJ puts forward.
0: Okay then, look, as for my personal preference, it will be that uh, the DOJ will launch uh, some kind of an antitrust lawsuit into supermarket shelving, and how that plays out, <laughs> I think that's, a, that's no doubt a very fascinating issue, but Mike Kushita, it's been an extremely busy week for both of you, so thank you for taking the time to talk to me today.
2: Thanks James. Thank you. Kushita
0: Vasant is Mlex's Senior Antitrust Correspondent in Washington DC, Mike Swift is our Chief Global Digital Risk Correspondent. And he was joining us from San Francisco. And we'll post links to some of the analysis we published on the DOJ lawsuit in the course of the week at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Click on the Insight Centre and you'll find the links to a range of MLEX stories. And you don't need me to remind you that you can subscribe to MLEX Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Leave a review, tell a friend and help us spread the joy. Next week, we'll finally get round to chatting about the EU's digital markets proposal. We'll return to the legislation that would set down rules for tech platforms and hand new powers to enforcers. There have been some interesting developments since we last discussed this, so it's high time we tapped into the wit and erudition of Nicholas Hurst in Brussels. And Victoria Ibitoye in London will be walking us through some merger and acquisition developments in the UK. Killer acquisitions and the regulation thereof is very much on the agenda. So don't forget to download the program from Friday Morning GMT. I'm James Paniki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor here at MNEX. Thank you so much for your company. It's been great fun. I'll catch you again next week. Bye for now.